character um, and courage. And sometimes they work together. So they can work separately. But as a leader, you need to walk the talk. If you want your salon to be a certain way, you have to be that way even when nobody's looking. You, you know, if, if you really want to instill your values and your culture in your salon, you have to have the character to where it's not some days you're supporting this, it's 24 hours a day you're supporting it. I'm just a hairstylist. How am I supposed to be a photographer, a social media manager, a receptionist, a marketing manager, and an entrepreneur as well? Welcome to the Secret Life of a Hairstylist podcast, where we shatter the term, I'm just a hairstylist, and help inspire you behind the chair. I'm Samantha, and I'm a hairstylist, educator, and salon owner, and I want to help inspire you with tips from how to manage your social media, to how to sell retail, to how to continue a positive mindset, making you more money as a stylist. Every week, I will share my own experiences over the last 10 years, plus bring in amazing experts from all over the hair industry to share their secrets on success. So what do you say? Are you ready to challenge yourself, get inspired, and build your dream business behind the chair? Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to this week's episode of The Secret Life of a Hairstylist. I have to share a little secret with you. Um, I was just recording this snippet of the podcast and I realized after I had pressed stop that my mic wasn't even on, so I have to re-record it. And I will apologize, there's a little bit of construction going on outside my house, so it's only for this little bit, but um, if you can hear in the background, I hope you can't. Um, anyways, I am really excited for this week's episode. This is actually the second last episode of this season. So we have one more episode coming up on email marketing, so make sure to tune into that one next week. But for right now, I have Rob Hines on the call with me and we are going to be talking about salon ownership and how to maintain that culture within your salon. What happens if you want to work less behind the chair, the expectations of salon ownership. So if you are thinking about becoming a salon owner, this is an episode to listen to because it really gives you some good insight into what happens behind the scenes and um, how to really lead, coach, manage, mentor a team. So please, without further ado, I'm going to bring on Rob to this episode and I hope you enjoy. Welcome, Rob. Thank you for being here. And I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself um, before actually I should say he's a consultant, mentor and trainer in the industry. Um, so welcome. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are and how you got into this industry. Well, hi, Samantha. Thank you so much for the time. I'm super excited about our quality time together and sharing some information with your listeners. Um, my name is Rob Hines. And I actually own a small consulting company called Raise Your Lid Consulting. And what I specialize in is consulting, mentoring, training, coaching, salon professionals, no matter what position they hold in the industry, on bettering their lives, bettering their businesses, um, making smart decisions, and just developing them not only as people, but even more so as professionals. Amazing. So what is it that kind of like guided you into this coaching salons? Like, why did you find that this was something that was really needed? Well, it's interesting, Samantha, you know, growing up, you have different jobs, you have different things that you do. And then for me, as I got older, 
I realized that every job I've had, everything I've wanted to do revolved around helping people, serving people. So back in 2004, I was in between positions and I had the opportunity to come into the beauty industry because at that time I was told that what I do and how I do it is very much needed in an industry that was really deep into traditional things. But at the time, the industry was moving forward and needed some more guidance on, you know, whether it was things like people skills or how to actually do their budget appropriately and those types of things. So I came into the beauty industry not knowing anything about hair color, not knowing anything about, you know, how difficult a lightning service is or what, how much technique went into hair cutting. And I just jumped into the industry as basically a consultant and kind of grew from there through different positions, whether it's sales or business development and absolutely fell in love with this crazy, amazing industry. Mm -hmm. It's funny you say that's something that like, you know, we hadn't really um, developed a lot because the industry had stayed the same for so long. And then even just in the last, like definitely the last five years, but especially in the last two years with COVID and everything, and just the conversations that have been had and the time that we've had to really like dive deep and look into our businesses that it has changed so much. And the conversations that I'm hearing now are conversations that were never had before. And I mean, even when it comes down to things like your budget and all that, like there, those weren't things that you would, um, necessarily know about, like a lot of salon owners went into it because they wanted to work for themselves. Like they didn't want to go into it to really run a business. Right. So for us now to be able to understand these things and have people help us along the way with that, it's so, so important so that we can actually make our salon salons profitable, excuse me. Um, because I think it's like, there's a staggering amount of salons that are, um, are, are not profitable. Right. So, um, it's a really, really important thing, especially in this day of age to really, really understand. Um, so what are some of like the biggest struggles or areas of improvements that you see for salon salon owners today? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting when we, when we talk about the struggles, first and foremost, the longer people have been in the industry, the more they're ingrained in the history so things always come up like this is the way we've always done it. This is how we do it. And one of, one of the struggles that are happening in this industry, and now that we're having better conversations, it's, it's, it's getting there. But we always look within our own industry for all the answers, all the solutions. Um, and most of the time, a lot of, the, a lot of the things that will really help us build our businesses come from outside our industry and just need to be massaged to fit within what we do in our industry. Mm-hmm. So I think um, finding the right solutions that fit is one of the struggles. The other thing too is because we're such a heartfelt industry, um, things like critical thinking and problem solving and having tough conversations, um, whether it's with clients, whether it's with staff members, um, those are some of the bigger struggles out there. And that leads into all the other things, you know, um, things like recruiting and maintaining staff, growing people. Um, When you don't have the communication skills to do all those things, especially in this day and age, 
when people are very particular and, and actually stand by their values more than they ever have. Um, that's one of the bigger struggles out there as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've worked in a, f- a few different salons over my, my career. And I, I would say the biggest, the biggest, um, thing that made a difference in salon, like in salons running and, and being, um, being successful is, is the leadership, right? It is really just being like open and honest with your, um, with your, uh, our staff or team members and just, you know, leading them really, right? Like it's just, it's giving them direction and being clear and concise in what you, what you want. And so that's something that we have really done within our salon is just like, we're super, super transparent with them because you have to be, you have, you have to let them know and understand how businesses run in order to be able to run a successful business um, so that they understand and like they can appreciate it a little bit more as well. Right. Um, so what are so, like your top three points that make up a good leader? Like what would you say, like are the top three things? Wow, Samantha, really good question. And you're only limiting me to three. There are so <laughs> you many. You can say more. You can say so, more. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's okay. But, you know, to be honest with you, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Everything rises and falls on leadership. So when we talk about leadership, the first thing we have to think about is lead ourselves first. If we can't lead ourselves, we can't lead others. So when we talk about one of those things, it's all about service to others. Leadership isn't a position. It's, it's how you handle people. It's what you can do for people, what you can do to grow people. And for people that might be independent in this industry, it also goes to self-leadership. You know, if you're leading yourself and you have boundaries. Um, so I would, I would say that would be the first thing. And then there's things like character um, and courage. And sometimes they work together. So they can work separately. But as a leader, you need to walk the talk. If you want your salon to be a certain way, you have to be that way even when nobody's looking, you, you know, if, if you really want to instill your values and your culture in your salon, you have to have the character to where it's not some days you're supporting this. It's 24 hours a day. You're supporting it. And then the courage piece would be the third is where, um, you know, having the ability to have conversations, like you said, in your salon, you know, today transparency is like gold. It's, it's, it's really what we're looking for because these days people don't want to wonder what's happening, especially in their careers. They need to know whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, being transparent and letting everybody know what the real deal is. That's extremely important. So with those three uh, points that you gave me, that's what I would say, but there are many more. Oh, there's definitely more. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that the communication piece is super, super important. And um, I know for us and like other salons out there that that have really made a difference is um, having those consistent meetings to really like sit down with everybody and and talk. And um, I was just on a podcast with Jody Brown and we were talking about like successful leadership and and, um, 
partnerships and even just between my business partner and I, so that those who have business partners, um, even just communication between the two of you, I think is super, super important. So like my business partner and I will have um, one-on-ones with each other every single week, even if there's nothing like really important to talk about just to I be love it. on the same page. Yeah. Because if you're not on the same page and that's where I had found that we were starting, like there was a point where we weren't having those meetings and we were starting to kind of like lose that communication throughout our salon. And, and, and you could tell that staff were getting a little bit frustrated because they're like, well, you guys are both saying different things. So it's like, okay, no, we really need to get together, really like have these honest conversations with each other. Um, and that's where that like communication really, really comes in. And I, and I think to that point, Samantha, you bring you bring up a very interesting topic is in this industry, we have the habit of jumping to the middle of something. And we never really go back and look at how things start, how they're evaluated going through. So with you and with you and your business partner, when I talked about leading yourself, so each of you had your own ideas. And then when you were collaborating and coming together, you were able to communicate those ideas very clearly to your staff and it works. Mm -hmm. What happened when you didn't have those one-on-ones with each other and you didn't lead yourselves and then collaboratively lead as a leadership team to communicate, you notice that it started falling to the wayside with your team and people get different messages and mixed messages. And at the end of the day, when people think there's waves within the culture, they start to disconnect and then they and then they come up with their own way of doing things and that's when you know culture and teamwork really starts to fall apart absolutely absolutely um so what advice do you have for salon owners when it comes to growing a team like what are some things they can put into action um to be able to help grow grow their their team are yeah they- very good so when when it comes to growing a team first and foremost Everything's about the team, but the team understanding what the values and the culture of the company are or the business, right? So they would need to have a good understanding of what the salon's values are, you know, all the important things that build the culture. But realistically, everything would need to be about the team. So gathering feedback, um, gathering feedback without responding and having answers immediately. So really, truly actively listening to what your people have to say, because at the end of the day, your team is the face of your business. For all the salon owners that are still thinking um, a little bit traditionally or old school, they think they're the face of the business. They couldn't be more mistaken. The face of your business are all the people standing behind your chairs or in your treatment rooms. Those are the faces of your business. So with teamwork, the first thing is gathering intel from the team. And then what needs to happen is based on that intel, you could figure out per team member or the team as a whole, what we need to work on to improve and get better. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's where it starts is gaining intel, actively listening, and then coming up with a plan to improve. I love that. And that kind of actually like leads me into my next question of, of, um, 
your team being the face of your business rather than the owners is like how much time should salon owners spend behind the chair versus coaching their team? Cause there are a lot of salon owners out there who are still hairstylists who are working behind the chair. And it's really hard sometimes to find that balance of, of how much time they spend behind the chair versus on the business. Because I mean, for myself personally, like I love working behind the chair, but I also love the business side note though too. So, so I don't mind that, but there, but we, we don't want to take away from that first thing that we truly loved. So how much time would you say would be good for a owner to spend behind the business versus behind the chair? Oh my God, Samantha, you know, I'm not going to say this is a trick question, but <laughs> my, my response is going to freak out all of your listeners that are salon owners behind the chair. But realistically, this has actually become one of the top five conversations with my clients is from behind the chair, how do I do better in the business? So first and foremost, I will say this. Little steps are the best, but here's eventually where it should go. If you're truly building a business with a team, that team needs to be at some point, and I know this is going to freak people out, at least 80% of your time needs to be on working on the business, working on the team, working on, you know, anything within the company, whether it's marketing, all those other things, 80% or more. Um, For those behind the chair that, you know, and we could be realistic about this, many of the salon owners behind the chair are the top earners. So their number one excuse to me is, well, Rob, if if I take time from behind the chair, I'm not gonna be successful as a business owner. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, Samantha, my guidance to them is maybe you shouldn't be a salon owner. Maybe you should rent a suite or a chair somewhere. And if, if it's your income, that means the most, then do that. But don't let other people suffer or be part of a poor culture or anything like that. Just because you wanted to have your own beautiful place and a bunch of cool people to work with you need to spend that time on them and you need to spend that time on the business. But I will say that 80%, I know it, I know it freaks a lot of people out, but start with small steps, whether it's one day a month, one day a week, two days a week, whatever that looks like, but fully focus on your team and your company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is like a scary thought of spending that much time not behind <laughs> the chair. So you're very right in that sense. Um, so my follow up with that would be, would some of that time, if you were able to afford a manager, would some of that time be taken up by the manager instead of the owner? Or should the owner focus more of their time on the business? Oh, well, that, well, that's a great question and an interesting perspective. And I, when, when I look at the salon industry, the reason I do personalized service instead of a box program is for that reason. Some salons can afford a manager. Some salons cannot. Mm-hmm. So many times the salon owner is the say all, be all, that sort of thing. If you have the ability to have a salon manager, they would manage your operations. So you the, you, the salon owner, could focus on growing the team, educating the team, and 
doing, doing whatever it is, marketing the business, doing things to grow the business. Mm -hmm. If you're not in a position, position to have a manager or afford a manager at this point, there would need to be like pockets of time to where you would dedicate to specific things. Okay. Here's the managerial duties that need to be taken care of, you know, getting on people for washing out the fricking bowls and brushes and all, all the nonsense that come into all these things that really don't make that much of a difference, but the operational things, then there has to be the business growth strategy, knowing your numbers, um, where you're at, where you want to be, then the team members. How do I continue to meet with the team members, whether it's through one-on-one -on -one meetings or team meetings or both? How do I continue that communication and whatever momentum we have going? So if you can have a manager, you can delegate some of those responsibilities. If you don't, you're going to have to work on pockets of time where you're going to work on each thing. You can't do it all at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that would be, it's a lot. <laughs> and I think for like salon owners in general, like when, when you're not a salon owner, you know, coming into the role, um, you start to really realize like there's so much that goes into being a salon owner. Like it's not just, you know, balance the books and be done with it. Like tell your staff what to do and that's it. Like there's just so much that really, really truly goes into it. Um, and, and even part of that 80% is the um, going back to like communicating with our clients and having those staff meetings and one-on-ones and stuff. Like if you have a large staff that takes up a lot of time to be able to do that too. Um, so that kind of goes into that, like 80% of not being behind the chair, because there is going to be a lot of time, even just communicating one-on-one -on -one with all of your team members. Um, Sorry, we're going to say something. And, and there's, there's ways to grow into that type of format and that type of system. So if you're one of those salon owners that are behind the chair and you're like, Rob, I absolutely love my clients. You know, I want to continue to serve them. Well, this is where you have the ability to be very picky about the clients you have. And you get to be very selective on your schedule. It's not that you have to be answering the emergency text at 10 o'clock at night from a client that has to get in with you. You could start to create those tighter boundaries and still serve the clients that you love well, but you're opening up the rest of the time to spend on your team and on the business. Mm -hmm. So it can be done both ways, but it, it can't be done you have a full clientele with a full book every day and you want to run a successful business and have a team that's not going to leave me. That just doesn't work. And that's proven all the time. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, so talking about those team meetings, like what are some of the important things that should be talked about in the team meetings? Because those can go very wrong very quickly <laughs> if they're not right. So what are some of the things that should be talked about the most in those? Yeah, it's, it's interesting that, um, I'm actually contracted to come into a lot of team meetings now, not only to, not just to conduct the meeting, but to teach the owners how to operate a proper meeting. So I guess I'll start here. Here's the things not to do in the meeting. Mm -hmm. Going over all the individual numbers, not talking about the bowls and brushes and sweeping the hair, all the operational things could be done through communication, whether it's text groups, emails, private messaging, whatever that is, 
all of the regular day folding towels, you know, I can't, I can't believe how many people spend time in team meetings on that stuff. Yeah. Um, so realistically, the, the proper way to do team meetings, first of all, plan in advance and have agendas for everybody. When everybody knows what's to be discussed and what's to be um, addressed in the team meetings, they not only come well-equipped mentally, but they, they also come prepared if they have some insight or some intel to give or some ideas. Um, so I would say create agendas and really stick to those agendas. And maybe you have a small portion of the meeting to where it's an open forum. However, keeping control of that agenda will also create more engagement from the team staff. And then the way you deliver the information, are you talking at them? Are you presenting? Are you teaching? Are you um, getting on their case? Mm -hmm. Are you know? So the tonality of what you're bringing is just as important as the subject matter. If it seems like a you guys must do this, that's not going to resonate well. But when you address things like, look, as a team to improve, here's some of the things we're noticing and some of the things we're hearing from each other and from our clients. Here's some ideas around how to do better and make that better. Does anybody else have any feedback? That's you, you could tell there's a definitely a difference in the approach. Um, and then, you know, things like accountability. Start the meeting on time. End the meeting on time. And these are all simple things, but there's nothing that drags the team down more than when you're waiting for the one person that's always late to show up for you to start. How disrespectful. So, you know, even when we look at it and when we look at it, like you've been to classes before, right, Samantha, you know, you go to a class and the instructor says, well, we're going to wait a few more minutes till everybody comes, but you showed up on time. You were the responsible one, but you end up paying the price for others. So again, keeping, keeping a solid format around it and then the accountability of everybody, you know, getting them to show up, getting them to participate, all those things come into play. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think those are so important. And I, I, I mean, knowing how to conduct a meeting, a team meeting and be prepared for it is so important because it can go, go really sour really quickly. And I've been a part of a couple of those meetings where, um, where, you know, things get off topic and it goes behind and people just don't want to be there. And, and so really just having that preparation, I actually really like the one about, um, having like an agenda for them. Cause I've never done that. And that's actually a good idea just to have them like mentally prepared, um, for, for what's going to be talked about. So maybe they have something to talk about because nobody really wants to talk in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they all want to talk on the side, you know, the meeting after the meeting, the meeting before the meeting, the meeting in the back room and all that other stuff. This is where you really get to start to eliminate some of that stuff is by addressing it. And, you, you know, to be honest with you, the agenda is actually an equal or more of a benefit for the salon owner or the presenter of the meeting than it is for the receivers because now you get to stay on task. Mm -hmm. And if somebody happens to go off track, you have your agenda and you can say, okay, you know what? 
we'll, we'll table that for a different discussion. Let's get back to business. It actually helps the presenter as much as it helps the team members. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. No, I definitely keep myself organized, but it's nice that I keep the team organized. I would go off on a tangent and it, it would go nowhere. So have to <laughs> have to give myself the points to talk about. Um, but this was great. Thank you so much. Um, this is like a lot of really great information for, for salon owners and for stylists who are maybe thinking about becoming salon owners. Um, and uh, I know you, like we were talking about uh, like coaching, like what is, what to you is like a good coach or what's the difference between like coaching and mentoring and, um, and leadership? Like what, what kind of is the difference between that so that we could kind of give an idea um, to our salon owners. This, this is, to me, this is one of the most important subjects for everybody in the beauty industry to have a good understanding of. Mm -hmm. It's actually asking questions and based on the responses, formulating more questions so the participant can bring out the solutions within themselves. This isn't sports coaching to where we tell somebody, here's how to hold the bat, Here's how to kick the ball, but we treat it like that. I'm a certified coach, but I only have a handful of clients that I do true coaching with. Most of my stuff is consulting, mentoring, teaching, and training. So I think that's very important for people to understand that if you're really looking for a coach, you need to be ready to dig deep within yourself and not have somebody give you the answers. Mm -hmm. um, a difference between coaching and mentoring, mentoring is the sharing of experiences, sharing of information, and working together on solutions to be better. Coaching is not that. Coaching is strictly asking leading questions so the participant can bring the best out of themselves without giving any answers. Mm -hmm. Does that help? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I, th I think that was kind of, uh, I'm glad that I had asked that at the end because um, there's, this is really important for salon owners to really understand too, um, because we have to be coaches within our salon and really understanding like what it means to be a coach and not always giving the answer to our staff, um, I think is really, really important. And I think that it is really, really valuable for salon owners to learn how to properly coach their staff um, because they don't always need you to give them the answer. They need you to guide them along and help them so that they can eventually get to those answers on their own. And I think that that's a really, really big thing now with, with the newer generation, with the younger generation um, of stylists coming in because they don't want people to tell them what to do. And we're so... I, it's so not that we're, we do it, but it's so easy for us to just give them the answer and to be really quick with it. And so, um, really important for, for salon owners to understand or, or leaders in any sort to really understand that you have to ask them the questions for them to find it on their own so that they can find the solution and grow with it. And Samantha, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. This, this is, this is really hard in our lives. True coaching is actually one of the hardest things to do because we always want to give. We always want to give information. We always want to give answers. You know, even the way, even the way you stated it, we need to reevaluate how we're 
communicating about those things, we're actually doing more mentoring than we're doing anything. We're doing more mentoring and more consulting and more training and teaching than we are anything else. If you truly want to coach people, you have to be completely comfortable and there's a skill set around it. I became a certified coach and I continue to train in coaching skills for those, for those number of clients that really want to bring the best out of themselves. But you're right when you say most people, we could say 98, 99% of the people, they just want to be collaborated with on finding the answers that they're looking for. We're mentoring, teaching, training, consulting. That's what we're doing 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for being here with me to talk about this because these are really important to topics to, to talk about. Um, but leading our staff is a really, really important, um, aspect of our business and growing it. So, um, thank you for being here with me, uh, for sharing this and where can people find you, um, to find out more about your, your consulting and, um, uh, where they can like help grow their salon. Great. Well, Samantha, thank you so much for the time today. I love the questions. I truly enjoyed the conversation. Um, I'm found very easily. You could find me on Instagram at rob.raiseyourlidconsulting. And within my bio, I have a link to where you can see videos about all my services, how I do business. Um, I even have some example trainings that I've done that I put online complimentary for everybody to take part in. So you could find me through there and all my contact information is available through my Instagram. Awesome. Thanks so much, Rob. Thank you, Samantha. Have an absolutely wonderful day. You too. Thank you so much to everyone for listening to this week's episode of The Secret Life of a Hairstylist. This is, again, as I had said at the beginning, our second last episode. So make sure to tune in next week for our episode on email marketing because I think this is a really important one, especially in today's hairstyling world. So make sure to look out for that as well. I am working on a new freebie resource for you guys. So make sure to keep posted for that. Follow me on secret life of a hairstylist underscore. No secret life of a hair secret life of a underscore hairstylist. Oh my gosh. It is uh, only the start of my day too, but make sure to follow me on Instagram there. I will link it in the show notes. And my personal hair page, Hair by Sam Lacoste, where I give lots of coloring and extension tips. So make sure to tune in for that. Until next time, I hope you have a great rest of the day. And I can't wait to connect with you again soon.